Good news. My new book is almost here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth. And while it doesn't officially come out with Sounds True until May 7th, you can pre-order it now. And when you do, you'll receive up to $500 in additional gifts and resources to support you on your healing journey. I wrote this book because in the four-year span between 2016 and 2020, I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked every area of my life, health, relationships, finances, career, social status, and even my very identity. Along the way, I experienced firsthand just how dysfunctional our culture's relationship to loss really is. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success, shackled with isolation, and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and evolution, not only as individuals, but as a species. So this book expands the conversation around grief and loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we cover those too, to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. This includes the end of a relationship or job, death of a loved one, a natural disaster or a war, infertility, abortion, or a financial crisis. Also, when we're going through hard times, we're encouraged at every turn to hurry up and get on with it. But by trying to power through these messier seasons of life, we're denying ourselves the very answers to our healing and growth. Whether you're experiencing hardship right now, or you know that you have past hurts that are holding you back and still need healing, this book will support you. Handbook for the Heartbroken will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. Within the loving pages of this book, you'll have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically, find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. You can download your free chapter now and pre-order the book to receive all those bonuses at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. That's handbookfortheheartbroken.com. I also want to add that pre-ordering the book now is the very best way that you can support me as an author and the health of this book when it enters the world in May. It signals to booksellers to stock the book at that time and in turn, make it available to more people who need it. So thank you for your pre-orders. Thank you for your support. And I look forward to continuing to deepen together in this important conversation over the coming months. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avant Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best-selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories, where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women. Welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And today I'm speaking with one of my really good friends and also a colleague, 
a former neighbor here in Boulder, Colorado, many times a hiking buddy here uh, on a, our favorite mountain in town. It's Barry Tesler. And Barry's a financial therapist, a mentor coach, a mompreneur. I have to add that she's a great lover of dark chocolate, as I know many of us are here listening today. And she's also the founder and author of the forthcoming book, The Art of Money. And I have been a student of Barry's work, and it has really been a good friend to me on my path to financial empowerment and awareness. And she's guided guided thousands of people to new, empowered, and freshly honest relationships with their money through her really nurturing, body-centered approach, which resonates so well with the approach that we have here at The Way of the Happy Woman. So welcome, Barry. It's really, really wonderful to have you. Thank you so much. I just was getting chills just listening to your voice and just the space you hold and I'm just excited and grateful to be here today. Mm, Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into your heroine's journey. And we always begin our women's gatherings here with a personal check-in. So I'd love for you, and I'll do this myself as I'm listening to myself talk, is just we'll make ourselves a little bit more comfortable and share with us where you're calling from today and also how your inner landscape is. How are you in body, mind, and heart before we, before we dive into your story? Mm, okay, so um, this exact moment today is, is approaching a huge juncture. So within three weeks from yesterday, the full manuscript for The Art of Money is due. And two weeks um, from today, we are closing on our first home that we will own in Boulder, Colorado. And those feel like brilliantly orchestrated and exciting and thrilling and also crazily stressful as well. Um, I can't say I've been so elegant in the last few weeks Um, and also just dropped off our son at my parents' house who now lives 30 minutes. So he's um, being loved up and taken care of and meeting his cousin from Austria um, his first cousin, and so today is just a day of just um, getting an article out and um, m- made some food for me and my husband, who both work from home, and just holding some rocks today and spraying some essential oil sprays and lighting some candles and just doing my pre- my best to be present and be here with all the incredible stuff and the the beauty and the challenges of it. Those are two major milestones <laughs> happening. <laughs> I can happening the, yeah, yeah, I can relate to the manuscript piece, but not not the buying a new home piece yet. But I can imagine that's quite quite a big step. Yeah, yeah, it's been something that um, my my article today was about money koans and. You know, just we all have them. We all have some kind of riddle or challenge that we're, um, we haven't found the answer or the solution to yet. And 
the house buying in Boulder has been our money cohen, one of them, the last three years that we've been working on and mm-hmm. thought we would have to move because we could easily buy a house in so many other places. And we were just wondering, how are we going to get into the Boulder crazy market? And um, and after lots of hard work and lots of intention um, and lots of magic, <laughs> it's happening. So, yeah. I'm so happy for you all. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. When we close, that's when we're going to But we made it through all the hurdles, you know, all of the house buying hurdles. As an entrepreneur, it's we had no idea that it was even harder, you know, and, and luckily the lender in Boulder knows the Boulder lifestyle, knows entrepreneurship, and was able to just, you know, review all of our tax returns for two years and our data and 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 you know say yes to us and that was just one of the hurdles um uh, but we've made through we've made we've leapt over we've jumped all the hurdles and we all we need to do is get to the finish line so it's looking good (laughs) looking good (laughs) and barry i know that when you and i joined together on the call before we started this interview you mentioned that you are reading the manuscript for my new book the book of she and you were really struck by this archetype of the father's daughter and that you had some light bulbs go off when you read about this. And just for our listeners, I want to explain what the father's daughter archetype is. And this is all of us as women growing up really under our father's shadow, whether or not he was, we were daddy's little girl, or if our fathers were emotionally or physically absent, there was a part of us that really strived to be accepted by him and loved by him and to emulate the masculine principles of success, which often leads us to burnout, leads us to seeking valuation from the outside in rather than the inside out. So Barry, what what is what was your experience? What is your experience as a father's daughter? I loved reading that and having that name because um, I'm I I'm having a lot of just illumination and light bulbs going off as I'm finishing the Art of Money manuscript and I'm telling my story more and my father is popping up everywhere. Um, my mother less so, and so. I've had to look at that, and and what I'm realizing is that I'm more I've I'm more like my father in character. Um, I've chosen to do a lot of work in myself, and so um, I've been able to change things and work with things and and grow. And I just can go back and remember when I was, you know, growing up, I had no idea what I was going to do with my work. I I just could not see it. I could not feel it. Um, The only thing I could see was that I had danced my whole life and I did a lot of jazz dance. And so I wanted to be a solid gold dancer, but it was more of this fantasy. You know, I want to be solid gold dancer. I can see you that doing that in an alternate universe. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was it, you know, but like in reality, I, I couldn't see anything. And so I remember in seventh grade writing a career paper on being in real estate because that's what my father did. That's what my family did. And 
I loved being in the library, and I loved researching, and I loved the card catalogs, and I loved the experience of writing that paper. But I said I was going to be a businessman. I mean, a business woman. Look at that. So I said it was like I. the only path I saw was what my father was doing. And so I kind of just attached myself on to being a businesswoman. But I had no sense that I would be an entrepreneur or could be an entrepreneur. And it just, so there was that. And then, you know, later down the road, then I started asking to go to therapy as a 16-year-old and because um, I wanted to know myself more and, and uh, you know, just started going down that path where then I would eventually, you know, go to graduate school to be a systematic therapist. But before that, I was still underneath my father's shadow, so much so that I finished my undergrad, had no idea what I was going to do. And my father suggested I learn Japanese and then go to Japan to teach English and then come back and work with him in business, speaking Japanese. And so for two summers, I, I learned Japanese and was preparing to go to Japan and started doing those interviews. And then at some point, I was really close to making a decision where I was going to go, the town I was going to go in Japan. And then it, it was like out of nowhere, I suddenly got an inner voice saying, you are clearly going down the wrong path. You need to change course now, quickly. You need to completely disobey your father and go against him. And I chose to suddenly take a detour and go live in Israel hmm. for a year. And my father thought it was like the worst, biggest mistake that I was making in my life. And I was the first time having an inner voice saying, this is what's right. This is what's right for you. And I was starting to hear it. And I wound up going to Israel, living in Israel for a year, and it was life-changing in every single way, on every level, from the practical to the spiritual. And I came back a different person. I mean, I came back more me, you know, like I had chiseled away so much of the facade that I was trying to understand in therapy, but I was doing talk therapy and as a, and I was going to see men, male therapists, and the combination of talk therapy and male therapists as a 16, 17, 18 year old was not going to work for me. I needed movement and dance and, you know, other channels and avenues to get in there. And I needed a woman too. Um, so I, so there, there's more to that story, but there was certainly, there, there was other pieces too of just that my father was an entrepreneur, but not in the way that I have chosen to be a creative entrepreneur at this time. So he just was working and operating under a different set of principles that, didn't feel good to me and didn't feel right to me. And so the only way I saw doing business was more of an aggressive, intense um, way. And I just was really horrified by that um, and had to find my own way. Um, and so there's more to that story and there's a lot more to my heroine's journey that I'd love to share. Um, but that's a little bit, I mean, what I like to, 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 you know, now I'm in my mid-40s, and just to come a little full, full circle is that I did years of work around my father and 
years of work of finding my own way as a creative entrepreneur. And it wasn't until I was 32 that suddenly I realized I could never work for anyone else. I'm terrible at that. I'm truly an entrepreneur like my father. And I have so much of his character and so much of his chutzpah and strength and lots of good qualities and let go of a lot of the ones that didn't feel right to me. And, you know, in the last few years, my father um, had a terrible stroke. And he's come out the other side of that. We all thought he would never make it through. We all thought he was not going to make it through. It was such a bad stroke. And my father has made it through, and he's walking again, and he's talking again. And he's become a loving man. He was always a loving man, but he was also very intense and would make me go get jobs, you know, and make me as a 15-year-old go apply for five different jobs and report back, you know, and I hated that. And I just felt controlled and I felt I felt a lot of power struggle with him. And I'll say that, um, you know, there's still stuff to heal, but as soon as my father had the stroke, something was forgiven in, in an instant. And... Um, now when I see my father, all he says to me, I mean, we have longer conversations, but he tells me over and over that I'm beautiful and smart. Mm. And, you know, I mean, while we don't need that, I don't need that, it's also really beautiful that every time I see him, he looks at me and he said, you're just so beautiful and you're just so smart. And so we have done a lot of healing. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And Barry, it seems like that that decision to leave Japan and go to Israel was the beginning of your individuation process. Yeah. And really kind of the end of following the hero's journey and starting on the heroine's journey. Yes. So what, what, what does the heroine's journey mean to you? Um, so, you know, you know, I remember reading The Hero's Journey years ago in graduate school, um, and yet The Heroine's Journey, for me, um, on some level, I don't even know how to describe it. That's why it was so thrilling to me just to begin to read the first five chapters of your book, and I can't wait to read the rest of it. I mean, for me, um, I'm so feminine. Um on some level, and I could only go a feminine path as soon as I really connected with myself. Um, And so even going a masculine path, which for me would have been like taking a regular job or working in the corporate world, it doesn't mean if you do all of that, you're on a masculine path, but for me, none of that made sense to me, or none of that was going to work for me, because I am very sensitive, um, highly sensitive and very intuitive, and um, it was so painful for me to not be able to listen to myself and connect. So when I finally did, and you're right, it was a huge moment where I said no to my father, I'm not going to Japan, I'm not doing your path, it doesn't even make sense to me on any level, I'm going to Israel, and I'm going to find myself, you know, and it was in Israel that I was living on a kibbutz and running every day in a kibbutz, and suddenly... 
you know, I was thinking how much I love dance and how much I love the concept of therapy. I hadn't yet found movement or somatic therapy yet, but I was running one day and just all of a sudden realized I wanted to be a dance therapist. And I thought I completely made it up. And I thought I made up this whole field. And I was just, you know, so excited. And, you know, I get to Jerusalem a few months later and realize I didn't make up anything, that there's a whole field called somatic psychology and dance movement therapy. And there's graduate programs and um, that I could go to and, um so there you know there is for me the heroine's journey is being able to deeply listen to myself and my truth and be really honest about who I am and who I'm not and really hone um my particular skill set and superpowers and you know, over years, under over trials and tribulations and ebbs and flows and pain and beauty. And that all happened. I mean, in my 20s, I lost four men. I had, I had four of my closest men. Not my father, because my father and I were still, like, sparring verbally with each other. So four of the men that I trusted the most... The male figures in my life died. Um, So when I was 20, my uncle, um, who I love so much, um, died of AIDS. Um, A few years later, my Israeli boyfriend, who I was with for the whole year, um, who I was deeply connected with, who I know there's there's been lifetimes with this... um, with this spirit um, and this person um, after I left Israel um, he took his life um, because of the pain that um, of being in the Israeli army and what he had done and what he could not reconcile and then I lost um, another um, another uncle so it was my uncle's Husband, so I had two uncles, two gay uncles that I grew up with. You know, going to New York every year to visit, and they were a huge part of my life and my development, and you know, my sexuality. We were in New York when I had my first cycle, and uh, you know, and my uncle came out and in the Jewish tradition in such a loving way, like gently said, "Well, I'm going to slap you," and I know that sounds horrible, but he was loving. And he was like, you know, they don't slap. They just lovingly (laughs) caress your face and say, you know, you're a woman now. I mean, I was 12 years old. I was so young. But it was so beautiful to begin the beginnings of young womanhood for me with my uncles because they were such a model of openness and taught me so much about my own sexuality. And so my, my, my second uncle died of AIDS, and then my beloved Poppy, my grandfather, um, he he passed away, um, and I was very, so I was very close with all of these men, and they all died within five years, um, and so for me, there was so much grief, um, and 
the way that I got through that was literally by the hardest one for me was my lover from Israel. And, and after that, the way I got through that was every night, um, dancing in my apartment and lighting candles and, and moving through my bereavement and grief through self-created ritual and movement. And I had started doing authentic movement back then. And, you know, my parents blessedly gave me an apartment for a year and I was working for them in real estate, barely functioning, um, was in such an intense grief process. And I eventually came out the other end and had applied to Naropa University to graduate school in dance therapy and somatic psychology, you know, in the midst of that grief and knew that I needed to get myself um, to Naropa. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's a, that was a big transition. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that we explore is how these transitions, sometimes these crises, are the portals into our becoming. And yeah. they accelerate our heroine's journey during different seasons of our lives. What is a current transition or... Um, area of challenge that you feel like is accelerating your journey and challenging who you think you are my current one is that yeah. what you're saying we're leaping okay so now right this is 20 years later right but the the ground for um me being able to move through transitions and do my own healing um and grieve and you know all of the tools and foundation happened in my 20s. Um, so I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for all of that because if I didn't do that and then go to graduate school to be my own case studies, a therapist, and on and on, I mean, I just feel like all of that led, you know, to, to right now. And right now, let's see. I mean, I'm, I'm a mom <laughs> of... I never say that word mom, and my son doesn't call me mom. He calls me mama. Um, or recently, he was just, as he was just turning seven a few weeks ago, he said, I think I'm going to start calling you mommy again. I think I'm going through a process of needing to call you mommy again. Are you okay with that? And I was like, sure. You know, so he, he mostly calls me mama, though. So I'm a mama of a seven-year-old. And I had him right before my 40th birthday. So four months before I was turning 40, I had him. That was a whole huge um, um, heroine's journey. You know, just the the, the quick version is just, we intentionally created him, conceived him on the first try. That was beautiful. We had a beautiful pregnancy. Um, I made it to 42 weeks, still sleeping on my back. And was so visioning, hoping, planning for a home birth um, in water, you know, and then it wouldn't even visit the hospital um, and then wound up after 12 hours of home labor, um, knowing that something was terribly wrong and putting on my orange dress and saying to the midwife and my husband that we're going to the fucking hospital like now. And I made the call. And I got us to the, and we got, I didn't get us, but they got me to the hospital. And within half an hour, I was hemorrhaging and my placenta had abrupted. Um, 
very dangerous territory for me, for Noah, and we thank God, thank Western medicine um, for the few moments where there is major complications, and we made it out the other end, and then there was such a hard recovery and all of that, and so there has been that part of my heroine's journey of making it through and you know, making my business really small again and one woman show and so I could heal and recover and be with my child and and so here we are seven years later and Noah's seven and it feels like a huge developmental um um accomplishment <laughs> um to have a thriving beautiful child. Um so there's that. There's right now, and that feels feels pretty solid for me. Let's see, the the challenge for me um, is let's see, is the book in the the book. The book in the move. <laughs> the book in the move. Yeah. I feel like. Um, you know, they were originally supposed to happen on the same exact day, and now the move is going to happen two days later. Okay. And I just thought, holy moly, like, who who could have orchestrated my book manuscript being due and this move where um, we... We've always we've rented and been happy renting, and we've been, as you know, in our home for six years, this 100-year-old Victorian home right by our mountain, that our family has loved, that we moved in when Noah was 11 months old, and it's been so good for us. In the last few years, Forrest, my husband, has just been getting more and more anxious and more and more eager to be a homeowner and to make that dream come true. And I think there's been a little bit of, oh, I'm a late bloomer, you know, like I'm a late bloomer. And in moments I can go down that path of I'm a late bloomer and and there can be some negativity to it. And then in other moments um, I can feel a lot of pride or this is just what is, meaning I took my 20s to grieve and to study and train to be a therapist and mm. to go really, really deep. I took 10 years. My girlfriends and friends in Chicago, they were all getting huge jobs in the corporate world or the marketing world. They're starting their own businesses and buying their own homes and having kids you know, in their 20s. And I didn't have, I didn't find Forrest until I was 32. We married at 35, had a baby before 40, and I'm becoming a homeowner for the first time at 46. And, you know, I, I, I think nine years ago, before Noah, we had the finances in, our, in order when we were in California and could have bought, but I'm so glad that we didn't because I wasn't ready and I didn't want a mortgage, and I had a baby a few years later, which turned everything upside down. So there's, for me, the house buying, we really did not think it was going to happen. Um, we really thought we were going to have to move out of Boulder. Um, even though our business has grown so much and we've had our best years, we just thought we would never get into the marketplace. Um, and I was having so much 
doubt and self-talk and just let's move to Portland. There's so many other good places to live. And it literally, you know, as you know, four weeks ago, this business consultant we hired for branding just sent us an email saying, I think this is your home. I don't know if you're ready yet, but I think this is your home. And I, in our first meeting with her, she had said, what are your biggest goals? And we said, we want to, you know, build an earthship and, or buy a home. And I feel like she just put that in her culture and started stirring it up for us. And then just sent us this email that if, as we were looking for a house on our own, it wasn't happening. We were seeing houses in our price range and they were just kind of crappy and I would never want to spend that much money. And it just, so I, I feel like, and then, and what's, I, and so I know I'm, I'm telling this story in a long way, but it, I'll come to the end in a moment. I mean, for me, as soon as we saw that house, it was like, I, my, our consultant said I became a Jaguar and I just knew time was of essence and I just was ready to pounce. I was ready to go in. And I feel like, you know, even a year ago or two years ago, I would have been so scared or not ready or wouldn't have like been that quick to jump. And this time, and I feel like all these last years have prepared me so that I was so ready. So I feel ready for the house. I will say the, the hurdles of inspection, um, the appraisal, the loan, the conditions, because our seller needed to buy her house and that house needed to buy that house. All of the hurdles have been, they felt really hard because while I was ready to pounce and buy the house immediately, it's really a six-week process. And for some people, it's months. So I, I still, I feel like that's been really stressful and challenging, and I need to understand that more, um, why it's been so hard um, or felt so hard. So there's that. Um, but I feel really good. Like the the mortgage is, payment is not that different than what we've been paying in rent. So I feel like we're just going to walk into that, and it just feels like we have have taken a leap. We're so ready. The book I think scares the shit out of me, Sarah. So I think the book. <laughs> Books are scary. <laughs> I think the book. Um, I want it to be so good. Um, I've wanted this for so long. Um, I'm already anticipating, like, the amazing Amazon reviews and the horrible Amazon reviews. And I am just, like, so excited and ready and also in moments terrified yeah yeah and Barry through all of this you know you mentioned and and I know because I know you you're you are very sensitive and intuitive and because of this and as a result of this you've been deeply connected to your inner life so what are what are like your top three favorite ways to turn inwards for guidance you know, to make these big leaps in life? You know, number one is something that we share, which has already been mentioned, and it's our mountain. Um, and I hike that mountain five, six days a week, and I used to live on this street 
um, 20 years ago when I was in graduate school for a few years and hiked this mountain every day. So for me, there is, um, it's a movement meditation and it connects me right away to nature, to myself, to my spirit. I just begin walking. I walk out my door, I get on the trail and I listen and I ask questions and I, you know, have full talks with myself and the trees and, you know, with all the energy that's out there and I get answers. And so for me, um, some kind of movement meditation years ago, I did authentic movement. I think I mentioned that and that was my practice for years. I, I, I can't really sit. I know you also sit and my husband does sitting meditation. I need to move. For me, that's what it's a lot of times it's sweating, not always, but there's so some you know, sometimes it's literally just being in nature that does it for me. Other times it's the sweating. Um so I, I guess that's two. You know, yeah. there's there's two in there and both of those bring me right to myself. Yeah. Thank you so much, Barry. It's been an honor to receive your story. And I'm sending you so many blessings for this new rite of passage into authorship and being a homeowner. And I know that you'll soar and shine in a really honest way in both of those new roles, as you always do. Thank you. Thank you so much. It feels good just to even like, it was just, yeah, to even just share the, some of those stories all in one place. And it's, um, it's an honor. I can't wait to hear the other interviews that you do. I can't wait for this book to come out, Sarah, and to, you know, just read it myself and to just just to, you know just to help honor and make sense even just the father's daughter archetype that i've been working on and just to get the name for it um i just really appreciate that so thank you so much for having me yeah thanks barry if you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey i invite you to explore my new book the book of she you can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before october 30th And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.